Welcome to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast, a place where hungry minds discuss all things evidence-based nutrition, fitness, mindset, and healthy living. We're your hosts, registered dietitian and nutritionists, Courtney and Hannah. Let's dive in. The information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, so always speak to a healthcare provider such as a registered dietitian who can work with you directly about your unique healthcare needs. Hello there, and welcome back to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast. Today, Hannah and I will be discussing emotional eating. Um, But before we dive in, we're going to share the best thing we ate this week as a little icebreaker. So I can already see Hannah thinking. So Hannah, you kick us off. What's the best thing you ate this week? Okay, I'm going to have to go with, I was away in BC this weekend, and I had like the best chicken burger and fries that I think I've ever had. So that was definitely... Mm a win. I mean, it was at a restaurant, but it was really, really good. What made it so good? Um, Well, one, I think probably because we had been biking for five hours. And so those first few bites Mm -hmm. just hit pretty hard. Um, But also just crispy chicken breast. Like I'm such a chicken breast person over chicken thighs. And Mm -hmm. I find a lot of chicken burgers like will be crispy chicken thighs. So it was perfect for me. Awesome. Yeah. What about you? Mine actually was last night. I went uh, with a couple of friends to Delish, which Mm -hmm. is this little cafe in Saskatoon. Um, And it was so hot out. We actually went for a run, but they had a beet borscht. They always have different borscht Mm -hmm. on their menu. And it was so good. I had it with a turkey club sandwich. um, And then after it was actually my friend's birthday. So we shared some carrot cake. So it was an awesome meal. Carrot cake's my favorite cake. I think I've maybe even said that on the podcast before. So it was an awesome meal. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Carrot cake is the best. I agree. So as I mentioned, today we'll be talking all about emotional eating. And emotional eating can include eating because we're sad, we're bored, we're stressed, lonely, looking for distraction, or even using food as a reward. But eating is a legitimate coping mechanism. It releases endorphins and it can actually make us feel really good. The issue arises when it's our only or our main coping strategy. Exactly. So I often think about, you know, the classic girl after a breakup eating a tub of Ben and Jerry's. Um, And this is would be, you know, emotional eating. However, it is completely fine to engage in this type of behavior because like Courtney said, it does actually release those happy hormones. It does make us feel better in the moment. Um, And so what we're really going to explore is the root of emotional eating and steps we can take to become more confident in navigating food and our emotions If emotional eating is something that we're turning to maybe a little bit too frequently or it's not really fitting in with our values or what we want. So one of the first considerations we explore with clients is, are you fueling your physical body? Oftentimes people will believe that they struggle with emotional eating or they may come to us, you know, identifying that this is a problem for them. Um, And then when we kind of dig a little deeper, we may find that they're actually not fueling their physical body, meaning that they're actually like dealing with low energy availability or something we talk a lot about being blood sugar imbalances. 
Our body is hardwired to survive. And what that means is essentially if we're not eating enough, our body's going to tell us that we're not eating enough and is going to drive us to eat. Yeah, and we actually talked about it on a previous podcast episode where a lot of people think of hunger as a grumbling stomach, mm-hmm. but hunger presents in so many ways, like food focus, a foggy mind, maybe like a headache. And so interpreting different signals and signs from our body that we're hungry is one of the first steps we can take to making sure we're fueling enough. But from there, I do think there's some key questions that you can ask yourself or even explore with a dietitian to make sure that your body is well fueled and you're actually able to differentiate what's physical hunger, true hunger from what maybe does feel like emotional hunger or emotional eating. Yeah, totally. Courtney, what are some of the things you might explore with clients? The first is, are you eating enough? As in, are you eating enough calories throughout the day to meet your body's needs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so common to see people identify as emotional eaters when they are in a really restrictive um, caloric deficit or in this restrict binge cycle um, that we see very often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it can be even intentional where they're restricting and then it's, you know, causing the emotional eating because their physical body is not getting its energy needs met. But I think it can be unintentional for people as well. Like I see with a lot of women, especially very active women, they're just confused or they're unaware of how much they actually do need to eat to fuel the levels of activity they're doing. So working closely with them to identify their energy needs and and building them up to eating that volume or that amount of food can be really powerful. And all of a sudden they have a different experience with food and they're realizing, huh, those were hunger cues from my body. It actually wasn't emotional eating. Totally. I think that that's such an important point. Mm-hmm. Another one that you know I would talk about with clients sometimes is this idea that when we don't eat enough um, throughout the day, that's actually not only, you know, messing with our hunger cues, but it's also messing with our emotions actually Mm -hmm. directly, right? When our body and our brain is not fueled the way it needs to be fueled, it can lead us to be a lot more emotional. It can be, we can think of hangry, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then that can also kind of muddy the water when we're trying to determine like, why are we eating? Am I just turning to food because I'm sad? And like, it's this chicken or the egg thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What would be another consideration when fueling your physical body? Yeah, so another one would be, like, are we eating frequently enough throughout the day? So this is, like, really tied into the are we eating enough? But, you know, sometimes we'll see people get into these habits, whether if they're following a specific diet, you know, maybe intermittent fasting or something else, where they're going through long periods where they're not eating. And this all comes back to blood sugars, which Mm -hmm. we talk about a lot. Yeah. I also see, like, the frequency of eating being affected by people who are maybe taking on a lot of stress in their Mm -hmm. life. Like, for example, I work with some clients who are nurses and it's go, go, go. We think of that nervous system state, the sympathetic nervous system that we talked about in a previous podcast episode is giving energy. However, when they crash, they crash hard and it feels like emotional eating for them. Um, But if we can build breaks into their day so that they are fueling their body frequently, they often have a way different experience where they, again, identify, wait a second, maybe I'm not an emotional eater. I just wasn't well fueled. Totally. And I think I've maybe shared this on the podcast before, but I often use like the metaphor, I guess, of putting your armor on and by eating enough food and actually meeting your physical needs, that's like putting your armor on to then fight the battle of like explore exploration of emotional eating, Mm -hmm. right? There is no way we're going to kind of cope with emotional eating or deal with emotional eating if our body is in that like fight or flight, like we got to eat phase. Yeah. 
Any other considerations when exploring uh, fueling your physical body? Yeah, so one that I think is maybe less well-known or less talked about is enjoyment from food. Mm -hmm. And this can maybe seem like a little bit clouded because we're talking a lot about physical satisfaction or physical um, fullness. But physical and emotional or mental satisfaction all play together. So if we're eating enough food and we're eating, you know, regularly throughout the day and we're kind of going through this checklist, but we're actually not enjoying the meals we're eating, um, then that can definitely also lead to this piece of our body not getting what it needs. Yeah, I love that point. Um, And something that we often explore with our clients is how can we make these meals balanced Mm -hmm. in the sense of supporting our blood sugars through the day? So we talk about building in protein and healthy fats and fiber. But if you don't enjoy those protein foods or those healthy fats or those veggies and fruits and fiber rich carbohydrates, then you're not going to be mentally or emotionally satisfied from the meal. So we love exploring like what are the meals you actually enjoy eating that still consider these parameters that are going to support your blood sugars throughout the day. So you're not having those swings in blood sugars that, again, can feel like an emotional drive to eat when really it's a hunger cue from your body. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I saw this Instagram post and he shared it a couple of weeks ago. And I think this it sums this up what we're talking about perfectly and said, if you are hungry and emotional, you are not an emotional eater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great quote. And if you are struggling to understand what eating enough looks like or feels like for yourself, you're definitely not alone. This is something a lot of people are challenged by. But working with a registered dietitian one on one can be really supportive so that you can start to build out a plan for what it will look like to fuel your activity levels and making sure you're you're eating enough throughout the day. So you are in a position to overcome or navigate emotional eating if that is a challenge that you're experiencing. Our second tip is to let go of shame and guilt. So it is pretty common to feel ashamed or guilty for engaging in emotional eating. But as we discussed earlier in the podcast, it's actually pretty normal to turn to food for comfort because Food does um, release feel-good hormones and endorphins. So it's a pretty like normal human reaction to turn to food for comfort. Um, so one of the first steps um, is letting go of the shame and guilt you might feel about the experience, which opens us up to actually exploring what is going on at the root. So I love what you said, Courtney, and I totally agree. And that goes right into our third point of identifying what you are feeling and what you actually need. And so as we've said many times already in this episode, eating is a legitimate coping mechanism. And, you know, we're really trying to hammer that point home just from the point of view that there is a lot of messaging that maybe can increase that um, shameful feeling. But actually, we can use this to empower ourselves to explore why is this happening and create awareness. Um, So this awareness of why we are emotionally eating is so important as it puts us in a position to address and navigate the emotional eating itself. What would be some examples, Hannah, of reasons why you find your clients might turn to food? One common reason for emotional eating would be that hit of endorphins, right? Is we're feeling low or we're feeling down and we actually are just trying to bring our mood up and food is one way we're doing that. Another one that maybe is a bit more complicated is are we using emotional eating to act as a distraction or to avoid? So what I mean by this is when we are eating um, and you are maybe overcome by guilt and shame from the actual behavior of emotional eating, that is really distracting us away from what 
initially started the emotion um, or stress. So if we are feeling really crappy or stressed out about, you know, X, and then we're just trying to get rid of that feeling. Um, one way we actually get rid of that feeling is by creating a new different negative emotion which kind of yeah it's like oh we're feeling one negative Mm -hmm. emotion and then we almost go to the next one which is guilt and shame but like you said it is distraction from that root so clearing through the shame and guilt gets you to the root of what was the original emotion totally um And then one that's maybe a little less deep um, that we see is, you know, even just like the procrastinating that you need to do something else. Um, So like I can honestly speak to this one too Mm -hmm. is like the amount that I would, you know, maybe engage in what would be considered, you know, emotional eating in university because I was like uh, eating is literally the only enjoyable thing I can do while I'm trying to study for an exam crazy did it all the time that was seven years of my life (laughs) yeah honestly need a break walk to the kitchen open up the cupboard look in the cupboard walk back upstairs try to study a little bit more and I think like probably everyone can relate to that Mm -hmm. to some capacity so you know maybe sometimes you know emotional eating is boredom or it is procrastinating what you actually need to do so sometimes that awareness can be helpful too and like Hannah said it's a bit more like Mm light-hearted or not as as deep as some of the other um, examples we shared Totally. And so, you know, really when we're thinking about this, that we really want to figure out how this is going to allow us to understand what need we are seeking to fulfill, meaning we've got to get curious, we've got to explore it. So then we actually have kind of the tools and awareness to do something different. Mm -hmm. So if you have that awareness, what would be the next step in addressing the root emotion? The next step would be to actually feel your emotions. So many people, when they start off identifying an emotion, maybe they're just placing a label on it. Mm. Like, I'm sad, I'm bored, I'm angry, I'm stressed. And I think that can be like a really helpful starting spot to understand, okay, what emotion am I feeling? But emotion, if you think of the word emotion, it's energy in motion. So we can actually feel these emotions in our body as well. So we might even connect and tune into our body. Like, am I feeling sad or anxious in that causes constriction in my throat or am I stressed and my heart's racing Um, or you know am I feeling like butterflies in my stomach and so kind of exploring what emotion you're feeling and maybe even how that's presenting in your body can be a starting spot for actually feeling that emotion instead of maybe distracting from that emotion by eating. Totally. I think that, you know, in general, this is probably one of like the hardest things to do in life and something that we're not really taught at Mm -hmm. like young. And I can just share like personally, it was something that I had to like work on in therapy for a long time (laughs) of like identifying emotions, but then just being okay with feeling that uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. And I think like you said, a lot of us aren't taught how Mm -hmm. to feel our emotions um, at a young age, or maybe we don't have the support to move through some of those heavier emotions. Um, And I even like witnessed something a couple years ago where like I saw a kid fall and he was upset, he was hurt and he was crying and his mom's like, oh, here's like a freezy. (laughs) And it's like, oh man, that like creates that connection pretty quickly. Even Mm -hmm. that like I'm feeling crappy, I'm hurt. It's like food makes me feel better. Um, And again, like no shame in that situation or anything but I thought it was just like a really interesting reflection of how it's like oh maybe what we would have needed in that moment is just to be like ow that hurt I'm feeling sad yeah totally and I think that that's such an important thing is like in that moment right because we know like 
as human beings, we experience so many different emotions um, and those emotions can be fleeting too, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is not a single emotion that I can identify that I've felt from the time of like, you know, my conscious memory to now that Mm -hmm. has just lasted that entire time. Mm -hmm. And so like knowing that those feelings, good or bad, are not going to last. And so, you know, we don't necessarily need to always act on them to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a therapist say emotions are like waves, they Mm -hmm. come and go. So, you know, you can ride the you can either drown in the wave or you can learn how to surf. And that was actually really powerful for me to learn that my emotions actually do come and go and I can learn to ride them out and feel them. And oftentimes, like, that's going to make us feel a lot better than resisting them or pushing them away, which, you know, might seem helpful, but it can really feel like you're drowning or kind of reaching for other tools to distract yourself from it. Totally. And I think if, you know, the listeners out there haven't caught on, um, this is probably a good place for Courtney and I to plug that, you know, we work with a lot of different people and we work with food and I especially work with food relationship and identifying feelings is all sometimes part of that. But also this is a piece where, you know, a therapist or a counselor, a psychologist, like that is a person that to be on your team to really navigate all these different things. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And that leads us to our last point, which is to explore new tools. So as we discussed, one important tool is to sit with the emotion, to feel it, to let it move through you, to identify it. But we can also build out our toolkit to have more coping strategies to move through our emotions. Totally. So often there's a few things I talk about with clients. Um, One is to try to do a self-assessment before. And so what this is, is essentially asking yourself, what do I need right now? Um, And so it's adding to this awareness, but often I say it's also taking a beat. So, you know, sometimes when we go to a coping behavior, and in this case, we're talking about eating as a coping mechanism, um, it's automatic. It's what we always do. And so we don't even actually think about what we're Mm -hmm. doing or why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so actually trying to give yourself a little bit of space Mm -hmm. um, to reflect on, yeah, what do I actually need right now? Yeah. And I think that takes practice. So Mm -hmm. if you can't create that space the first time, just know any progress towards having a little bit more time to explore what am I feeling and how might I approach this scenario differently? It it takes time, but it's really powerful as you start to create more and more space for yourself to think through things. Totally. And I'm so happy that you said that, Court, because it is like Sometimes, you know, it's not realistic to do it before. Maybe it's just that automatic behavior that we've been doing for so long. And it's like, yeah, great suggestion, Hannah. I'm not taking like I can't take a minute before. And so it's like, okay, then do the reflection after. Mm -hmm. So look back at what happened. Um, Be curious about what happened. And like, how did this feel during? How did you feel after? Um, And were your needs met? Or what would you want to do differently? Or maybe you want to do it the exact same the next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, whether it's reflection in the moment or maybe it's afterwards Mm -hmm. if you're still like building the tools to create that space then you can maybe start to identify what are some different things I could do next time or what other tools might be helpful for different emotions Um, so I know for me like if I'm feeling sad like moving my body a little bit through a walk or Mm -hmm. calling a friend or calling a family member can really make me feel better you know at the end of it and so that's a tool that I have kind of created for myself and I often turn to but of course like I think different tools are helpful for different emotions sometimes when I'm overwhelmed I feel so calm when I can make a to-do list Mm -hmm. and I know before maybe I would like turn to food from like distraction from that overwhelming feeling I had but now it's like okay how can I kind of list out my thoughts and and make a list and and that 
kind of is a great tool that I like to rely on. Totally. And I think too, you know, like these don't have to be like some big new things that you never do. It's like, okay, like, I mean, I know it's not fun, but like maybe there's chores that you have to do. And it's actually that that's going to create the space for you to reflect on what's going on. So Mm -hmm. it's not about running away by using a distraction. It's actually like, hey, I like, you know, I'm in this moment very overwhelmed or I'm feeling a lot of emotion. Let me like do something that almost removes myself from this a little bit right now, Mm -hmm. because that's going to actually allow me the space to like really explore that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another one I'll just like add in there is I often I think lots of us have like a favorite show or, you know, whatever, or maybe like even it's listening to music or your favorite album, but it's actually doing something that's familiar um, that can provide a lot of comfort. Mm-hmm. So like for myself, I know like I've watched Friends, um, you know, probably 10 times through, but it was something that I used to go to actually a lot um, when I was feeling very overwhelmed in university because it just was comforting because I knew what was going to come next. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other tools that you found to be supportive either for yourself or when working with clients? It is actually just so individual of what these other coping mechanisms could look like. Um, So I really encourage clients to make a list for themselves um, and explore that for themselves because, you know, some of these, you know, having a bath, journaling, reading, listening to music – yeah, they may work, but they may not work for everybody. Yeah, I love that you said that because I once had a friend tell me I was feeling really sad and I think I called her. She's like, you should have like a bath and just relax. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds <laughs> awful. Like sitting in the bathtub and thinking about this. And so not to say that a bath, like yeah. for her, obviously that was maybe something she loved to do. So she was suggesting it, which I so appreciated. But it's like, okay, I think my tools might be a little bit different. Like I really resonated with what you said about like cleaning or maybe doing some chores or for me walking like that movement is really helpful. I feel like it almost like moves the emotion or kind of that stuck energy in my body. So I often turn to some of those tools that are a little bit more active. Um, But that's not to say something more like relaxing or, you know, watching a show or having a bath. Mm -hmm. um, That might be a great fit for you. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I think like maybe to wrap this point up, I want to make the point that, you know, this can sound like you may be listening and being like, this is so like, um, not achievable or not reachable. It's like I emotional eat. I am an emotional eater. Every emotion that I experience, I like turn to food for. And like, oh yeah, great suggestion. I'm not going to go for a walk. That's impossible. Like when I, I'm going to emotional eat. But like even in this mindset, um, it's going to get you stuck. And I often say to clients, like something has to change for something to change. So absolutely, like it is a harder thing to make a different behavior occur. Um, But it is possible. We just have to prove that to ourselves time and time again. Mm -hmm. And I think this actually like bridges into the science of neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. as well, where maybe if, you know, emotional eating has been our only coping mechanism or one of our main ones, we're so used to traveling down that road as in like literally the neurons in our brain are so used to making that choice that it's just quick to happen. So if we can start creating that little bit of space, maybe not even to do something new, but to be like, hmm, maybe it is possible for me to like go for a walk or whatever, like then a different strategy might be. Then over time, you know, you're building out that neuro pathway so that eventually it is easier to kind of access a range of different tools that could be more supportive than eating in that moment. Totally. And I think, you know, it's not all or nothing. Like you could also engage with a different behavior and then also have a little slice of emotional eating on the side (laughs) right yeah like maybe you're like okay I'm very intentionally going to try to read my book instead and like try to sit with that and and then it's like 
well, it's not cutting it. Like, I'm also going to have this, like, piece of whatever. Um, and it's like, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing thing. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap up this episode of the podcast, some things that you can remember as you explore the concept of overcoming emotional eating are to fuel your physical body. Let go of any guilt or shame you feel about the experience. Identify what you're feeling and what you truly need in the moment. And to feel those emotions, let them move through you. And then finally, to explore new tools um, to help feel your emotions and expand your toolbox when it comes to navigating emotions. And even if you do understand all of these points, um, many of us still do need support breaking the cycle. And it's it's not easy. And reaching out to experts who can support you, whether that's a therapist, a counselor, or even a registered dietitian, can be the next step to feeling more confident as you navigate your emotion and the food choices that will support your mental, emotional, and physical well-being. Mm-hmm. At Vitality Nutrition, we support clients through our one-on-one and group-based programs. So if you are looking for support, you can book online directly with a dietitian at vitalitynutrition.ca, or you can inquire about our services to see how we might be a good fit to support you. Thanks for spending your time with us. To further fill your plate, follow us on social media using the links in our show notes, or visit us online at vitalitynutrition.ca. And as always, we welcome your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay fed, stay moving, and stay well. Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.